Hi, everyone. Welcome to the show. This is the Meet the Masters podcast on the Wedding Podcast Network. I'm your host, Robert Allen, and I can think of no one better to have as a wedding master, truly an expert in what she does. As a matter of fact, let me read to you some of the things that people are calling this lady. They call her the reigning cake diva that was in Style Magazine, called her the the reigning cake diva and then the leonardo da vinci of wedding cakes that was my favorite i would like to welcome to the show the one and only sylvia weinstock sylvia thank you so much for joining me today it is a great pleasure to be here i have uh i've known you a long time as a as a being a wedding videographer and certainly many of my clients have uh, have had your amazing wedding cakes but i want to test your memory for just a moment I want you to tell me if you remember what you were doing 14 years ago this week. Do you have any recollection of that? It's pretty hard to remember. Well, I'll tell you... Obviously the same thing. I'll tell you what you were doing 14 years ago this week. You were baking my wedding cake. Did I really? Yes. My 14th wedding anniversary comes up March 14th. So you you were baking my wedding cake 14 years ago this week. <laughs> and are, is it, are you still married to the same? I wife? am indeed. I am indeed. That's the glue of the cake. And we were we were just actually last night looking at a photograph of my wife next to that amazing wedding cake uh, that you uh, baked for us. And and when I say amazing, I wish there were even an even better word to use. They happen to be a fantasy and a blend of what is absolutely delicious and very beautiful. Well, that's a great way of of describing it. And, you know, so many of, of the quotes that I've used with my own clients when they ask me about wedding cakes have come directly from you. And I, I credit you always. And, and one of the things that you always said that really stuck with me is that, you know, wedding cake should be eaten. You know, so many times wedding cakes are just for show. And you always felt that... You know, wedding cake should be served, should be dessert. You know, well, people it's, should be it's eating part it. part of your dinner. You know, and uh, instead of just, you know, waiting till the very, very end of the night, you know, to cut this, well, uh, I this cake. I'm, what I'm trying very hard to do is to tell the brides, to tell their party planners and the caterers and the banquet people that they would like the ceremony of cutting the cake when they have the most ca- captive audience. And that's probably when everybody's sitting down waiting to be served their main course. If the bride and groom would come out at that point, thank their guests for attending the ceremony with them, and to share their first sweetness as a couple with them. Take a cut of the cake, and then let the cake be wheeled into the kitchen to be cut and plated properly while everybody enjoys their main course. And then they're able to bring that out as your dessert. In other words, don't serve this at one in the morning because you've lost Aunt Tilly and Uncle Sam. They've gone home. Right. People start to leave. And, and, and the other thing is, too, and you bring up such a good point about the captive audience. You know, once dinner and dessert is served, people want to get up and they want to dance and they want to have a good time. And they don't want to stop what they're doing necessarily. Well, this is true because it is party time. Right. So separate party time from the dining time. That's right. And do it when everyone's seated and, and uh, you know, and, and you have their attention and you don't have to make them sit down again. This is true. 
And that's why I think that that's one of the ways to go, especially if you get a beautiful cake that they've seen all evening. Right. But it's also delicious. And and I have to tell you that uh, your cakes do create quite a stir in in the room as guests come in and and look in amazement and try and say, Are those flowers real? Are those real? <laughs> oh, they can't believe. They, I have pictures of children gazing at it, people touching it to make sure, is it real? I can't believe them. They're so botanically correct. Well, you know, wedding cakes used to have a very bad rap. They were either very beautiful and very very inedible because it took weeks to design them and decorate them, or they were a delicious cake that didn't look like much. So the object was to combine both, and I think we are the leaders in the field that started that. By only by making the ornamentation in advance, stockpiling it, and then when you get this fresh, delicious cake, you can arrange the flowers on it and the pattern and design quickly so that you've gotten a cake that's been produced in about 24 hours. Right, and the operative word there is fresh. It's fresh and it's delicious and everything, there are no chemicals in it. What we use only fresh fruits and the best butter and cream and chocolate. And our cakes are iced in buttercream, not fondant. Okay. Now, when a a couple is planning their wedding and they're just kind of getting started with things, what what kind of time schedule should they be on when they're they're ordering their cake? When do they start looking for a, a cake designer? Well, I think they, first of all, should be aware of the season that they're getting married in because season has something to do with the availability of wonderful fresh fruit and the sugar flowers that we make should blend in with the season. And that's number one. Number two, they have to have an idea of how many guests they're going to have. Are we, have, are we designing a cake for 50 people or for 500 people? And then they should really pick a site, have an idea of where they're going, because the decor of a room will, could dictate the look of a cake. In other words, a room that is very French and very formal is not going to have a sort of a whimsical, offbeat look. It's going to be very elegant. And if you go into a very simple surrounding, you could go with a very minimalistic look. So it would depend very much on these elements to know the designs. So the cake really needs to fit the environment that it's, it's going to be in. Well, it really should in a sense. You know, if you're doing a picnic at the beach and you want to do seashells and you want something that's very informal, that's wonderful. I wouldn't put that in a ballroom that has velvet and brocade and crystal. Right, right. It just would seem, it would seem out of place. Yes, it would. Yeah. Now, what about, you know, a bride coming to you and and trying to use the cake to express her personality? How does that play into... Uh, the design as well. Do you take that into account? Oh, always. We always say to a bride, tell me, what do you envision the cake to look like? What what needs do you have for it? And frequently they'll say, I want to show you a picture of my wedding dress. It has drapes or it has lace on it. Can we do something like that on a cake? Or uh, how about a bride who has a dog that she adores? She loves that Irish (laughs) setting. Can you make me a little dog that fits on the cake. Yes, we can do that. Uh, they maybe you know I can remember doing some cakes that were really different. A couple who were traveling through Africa for six months, and we did a cake that had the African animals on it. Oh wow! 
or, you know, people who are married at the seashore and they really love seashells and they want it to represent that. So, you know, or or wild garden or something Tuscan in feeling. Mm. So a lot of brides, when you talk to them and you get to know who they are and what they are, they will express to you and you're able to glean from them an idea of a design. Now, what about when you're thinking about, the, you know, the cake itself, how much does the menu itself play into the, how the cake is, is designed and chosen? Well, you know, it does in many ways because if I had a wedding luncheon in the summer and we were serving chicken and fish, I would love something with a lemon curd and fresh mm. raspberries. Mm. And in the wintertime, if they're doing lots of chocolate, I would stay away from chocolate because it's redundant. I would do something maybe with caramel and hazelnut or vanilla and coconut or just something different so it blends in with the menu. Okay. Yeah, so that should that should match too. Now, what about, you know, if a bride is having, let's say, uh, a wedding of maybe 80 to 100 guests, certainly in comparing that to uh, a wedding of, let's say, 300 or more, the wedding cake is going to be a different cake, correct? You're going to be a different size. Okay. Now, how? What are some of the ways? I, I know that you know a lot of brides kind of envision, let's say, a, a tall cake. You know, you want the cake to have presence. How do you how do you work with that if you're dealing with a, a, a wedding with less guests and and you know a smaller cake? Can you design it in such a way that it creates more of a presence than you know with a smaller cake? You can create a presence, but you know you want to do something that's appropriate. Mm. In other words, if you're having 30 guests, it's not appropriate to have a cake that looks like it's 500 people. Right, a huge... Yeah, that would be huge. Right. At the same time, if you're having 500 people, it's not appropriate to have a little thing mm. that, that looks like it would feed 50 people. Right. So, you, you know, you want to work with the scale of the room and the number of guests. Okay. Now, what are you seeing currently trend-wise? What are brides uh, telling you that they want in terms of, of shape of the cake and, and uh, flavors and things like that? What are, what are brides looking at these well, days? Well, you know, it depends on the bride, her level of sophistication, sometimes her age. You know, if you get a girl who's about her early 20s and who hasn't really traveled, hasn't gone to fine restaurants, so she is like a blank palette. You try to educate her in terms of what she might want. But then you take a girl who has a, a high profile. She's in her middle 30s. She's traveled a great deal. She's dined at a lot of fine restaurants, more sophisticated palate. She knows what she wants mm. frequently. Right. She's been to a number of weddings, and she's, she said, I like this one, and I don't like that one. So you, you work with the client. And you try to bring them along so that they have not only a beautiful cake that will be a wonderful memory for them, mm -hmm. but the process should be enjoyable as well. Right. And too many brides get very uptight and feel absolutely smothered by the amount of work they have to do to create a wedding. And it's really quite easy. Just make yourself a good list and chalk off everything as it comes to fruition. Right, right. And I think a lot of brides need to remember that they need to approach the wedding the way they would any other task in life and not, you know, everyone gets through the things that need to get done. And, and I think, uh, you know, you're absolutely right. This should be a time where this, you need to look back on this and say, hey, this was fun to do. I enjoyed doing this. 
you know, I mean, how is it not fun shopping for wedding cakes and wedding dresses and, you know, all of that? It really should be an enjoyable experience. And, you I know, think so. If you, and if you deal with professionals, that's another issue. If you deal with professionals, in other words, your caterer is a professional, your florist is a professional, the cake person has a track record and they are professional, you won't have any glitches. Right. People are tried and true. They've done it over for years and they're responsible and they will come through for you. Right. But you start with uh, someone who's just starting out or a new, a new person who's never done a party or caterers who are not familiar with the ethnic background, perhaps, of the families. They, you know, they won't know what they're doing. Right, right. Experience uh, can never be substituted for, uh, especially in, in this business. No, and if I were a bride, I would make sure that my florist has a good tra track record or that my cake person has a Board of Health-approved shop and that they have a track record of performing and delivering, and they're thoroughly professional. They don't come to the bride two weeks before the wedding and say, I'm going on vacation, so you'll have to find someone else mm -hmm. to do your cake. Yeah. I've and, heard that a few oh, times. Oh, it happens. That's for sure. It happens. Uh, one of the things that comes up a lot uh, in terms of, of cakes and, and uh, actually some of the questions that, that we've received uh, are about these miniature wedding cakes. Uh, and I know that you do them. Yes, we do. Um, what are your thoughts on them? Well, we like the little ones. They don't have the same power possess as the big grand structure. They're lovely. They're, they're very nice for smaller weddings. They're good for second weddings. We don't do cupcakes because I just don't think that they are elegant enough. You start peeling that paper and you get crumbs and it stains your dress. Mm. And that's, that's a beach thing for me. <laughs> it's not a ballroom thing. Right, right. Right, but the little cakes uh, are very popular. They, you know, brides love them. Oh, they're very elegant, and uh, they're they're beautiful. They are a bit costly because they're done in miniature. Right, and they're all done as individual cakes. That's right. Yeah, by hand. You know, the way everything That's else right. uh, is done. And w one of the, you know, talking about you know presentation, I think one of the things that is is so wonderful about your cakes are you know, the flowers that you create, and they're all, and this is per your instructions, uh, flowers should be plated with, with the cake, is that right? Oh, I like, yeah. I like it when they take the flowers off the wedding cake and serve them next to your piece of cake, and I've seen women go around collecting the flowers and making bouquets, <laughs> coming back and telling me two or three years later, you know, I still have those flowers. <laughs> Or, you know, I've used those flowers several times on my own Right, cake. right. Yeah, and because it's truly amazing when you look at it, you just could never tell, you know, unless you touch it or you're smelling it, that it's it's all sugar. Yeah, people are truly amazed. But I have to tell you, this is not one person creating your wedding cake. We have a team of 21 people, and each one is a spoke in the wheel, and each one is important to create your cake, whether it's the ladies that make the flowers or the person who does the construction, to the baker, and even to the person who delivers the cake and sets it on the table. Now, in talking about that, I've been to plenty of weddings where you actually delivered the cake. There are occasions when I do, and our cakes have flown all over the world. Now, how do you do that? How does a cake fly around the world? Well, number one, it's packed properly. Okay. It's shipped uh, in cargo of an airplane. Mm -hmm. 
as hand-carried on and hand-carried off. Uh, the decorator who goes with a large wedding cake is a passenger on the same plane and is also equipped with what we call the repair doctor kit. Okay. Extra cream, extra flowers, tools to make sure and ensure that the cake is perfect. And it's I sometimes go, but I have other wonderful people who will go with it too. Now, when a uh, a bride is is coming to you and wanting to uh, choose their cake, do they actually have a tasting? Oh, absolutely. Uh, we have a wonderful plate full of about six or eight little pieces of the cake itself and 15 little flavors like little ice cream balls mm. on a plate. And she's able to make up her own combinations. You know, ethnicity has something to do with it, mm. too. I mean, a lot of my Italian brides will go for something like Nutella, mm. you know, hazelnut, chocolate, mocha, espresso. Uh, Asian people seem to like uh, the almond cake mm. with uh, perhaps apricot and vanilla. And then Southerners like something in particular. We do, we'll do a pecan cake. Okay. And some Northern Northerners like carrot cake. Mm. So, you know, you do find regional taste levels. The Southerners like it very sweet. Europeans like bittersweet. And you're able to customize whatever their desire is. Absolutely. If, if the bride says it is too sweet, we'll put, when we do her cake, there's a note on it, pull out some of that sugar. And are you, how often do you do groom's cakes? You know, groom's cakes are getting to be rather popular. I think it's because... Uh, couples consult each other more, and they're more involved in the wedding, so that the groom has a small cake, something that sort of uh, honors him in a way, whether okay. he's a golfer or a tennis player or a runner or uh, has a particular hobby or he's written some books. We ask something about what what is he all about and what can we do just to give him something that's a token of appreciation. After all, he's standing on your side. Right. That's very true. That's very true. Now, I, 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 in looking at your cakes, I don't see a lot of cake toppers used. Are well, they? You know, uh, there are occasions where we will use somebody's antique cake topper. Oh, okay. But you know, these uh, pla these uh, porcelain bride and grooms or crystal or plastic are all commercial. They're they're all stamped out of a form by the hundreds, whereas when we make the top of the cake filled with sugar flowers, each and every petal on those flowers are done by hand. It's sort of like taking a couture suit and putting on five and ten buttons. Right, right. Yeah, what you're creating is is truly original. You know, no no two of your cakes are exactly the same. They can't be because yeah. we, we just don't count the flowers that go on it. We design it until we think it's just the way we want it to look. Right. So it so it, it almost doesn't need it, uh, in a sense. But I think um, you know that is kind of nice if there is something that is a family heirloom uh, to be able to incorporate, it. and not even just a, a cake topper. Have you seen other ways that brides have tried to include family heirlooms? Well, as a matter of fact, we have a cake that we're going to design for a bride who showed me uh, a. Her, the veil that she's wearing. The veil has 
been worn by five generations within the family. Wow. It's been on like 28 heads. Oh. And now when I start to think about what the family is and how they've multiplied, they've got about 30 heads eventually that will wear it. Wow. So we Xerox the pattern of the veil, and we will then, in buttercream, pipe it on her cake so she has something old and something remembering the veil that great-great-great-grandmother wore. Oh, so you're able to actually take that pattern and duplicate that in ice. Yes, we will. Wow, that's a great way of... Uh... <clears throat> that's a great way of, of incorporating that. I wouldn't have I wouldn't have thought about that. The heritage and the legend going right, and you it's know, subtle. It's not something that you know kind of jumps out. It's you know it's it's it it's still um, part of the cake. It it's doesn't part kinda, of the cake. Yeah. And it means something to many people. You know, it's sort of like a, I have brides that tell me that their mother's gown doesn't fit, and they went out and wore their own gown, but you know, mother's not happy about it. I said, well, see if you can take a little piece of lace or something from mother's gown where it doesn't show and sew it inside your gown so you now have something borrowed and something old. Oh, as part of, right, yeah, in, integrated into that gown. can be creative. Sure, yeah. I, you know, just, you know, getting away from the ordinary, I think, is 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 definitely uh, important. Now, um, what about budget? When, when talking about the cake, what should a bride be prepared to spend on her wedding cake? Well, you know, I often say this, that if one were to buy a cosmopolitan cocktail in Manhattan at a nice place, it will cost about $15, and there's a tip in the tax. You should figure that your wedding cake would run about the same price as the cocktail, which is $15, okay. without the tip in the tax. Uh-huh. However, I would probably want two drinks. So I'm an expensive one. So for 100 people, I think she should consider at least $1,500. Okay. Now, are there ways to um, to keep the cost under control, or is it just basically fixed? There's different types of cakes, more expensive because they require more work? Well, I think that, that you get a gorgeous, wonderful, delicious cake for mm -hmm. that price. Uh, if you want to go over the top and it's just loaded with handmade tiny little flowers and you really have this fantasy of what you want, then you're going to pay a little bit more for it. But I think the cakes are perhaps the least expensive item at the wedding. The gown costs more, the music, the photography, the food, the wine, all seem to cost more. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a good point. Now, what was the most a bride ever spent on a wedding cake? Want to share that with me? Well, we never discuss that. <laughs> I, you know, it's that old story that women tell their friends it costs more, and they tell their husbands it costs less. <laughs> so we just don't discuss money. Now, what was the tallest cake you ever designed? I think we did a cake for about 2,500 people. It was almost 20, 18 feet tall. Wow. Now, how long does it take to make a cake like that? Well, that was a real... Uh, a real job. We started that earlier, and it flew to Saudi Arabia. Oh, okay. And of so course, that doesn't that comes. You know, it's assembled there. It comes in in uh, like thirty boxes. Wow. And is assembled on site, and then they, once it's assembled, they cannot move it. Right. It's got to be there. It's got. It's, it's set there. Now, how it's heavy? Is, how heavy is a cake like that? Pardon? How heavy is a cake like that? I, you know, I have no idea. We don't weigh them because but there, you will it's... realize that a chocolate cake will be heavier. 
even though it's, say, a 12-inch round, okay. than a yellow butter cake. Why? Well, it's denser and it just weighs more. So we've never put them on the scale. The airline does. When we bring them to the airline, they get weighed. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's that's amazing. That's that's got to be a huge, huge cake. Now, what's your favorite cake flavor? Mine, personally, I'm lemon. I love lemon, lemon. fresh raspberries. But I'm married to a man who happens to love chocolate. Chocolate. Which... So if I were having uh, 200 guests at a wedding, I would ask my cake person to give me 100 of one kind and 100 of another. Uh-huh. And then when it's cut and served at, say, a table for 10, there are five chocolates and five lemons, and people can move them around. Oh, that's... So that's, you have choices. Oh, that's a great idea. And that's we really do great want idea. people, though, if you're going to use nuts in a cake, mm-hmm. then you should offer your guests an alternative, because there are people that have allergies. Allergies, right. And that and would prevent them... a major allergy. Right. That would prevent them from, from having that. From enjoying it. So sure. Give them the option of the fruit versus the chocolate hazelnut. Right. Now, speaking of chocolate, you're, uh, you're doing something with Godiva yes, these days. Yes, I am. Yeah, would you tell us about that? Well, Godiva uh, wanted something for a bridal event because they realized bridal is so important in America, probably in the whole world, and that we designed for them a small cake that's really made out of chocolate-filled one with hazelnut, and one is filled with chocolate ganache. And they're white chocolate, a little white cake that looks like it's all white chocolate, and a little one that's all brown chocolate. And they come beautifully boxed, and they're sold through Godiva, and they'll be coming out in April, April 17th. And they would make a a great uh, wedding favor. It's a marvelous wedding favor, and it's certainly one that does not get into the yard sale. <laughs> a like, lot of them do end up there. Right, like the picture frame or the uh, whatever else uh, well, gift you try and... I everybody needs another candle. Yeah, yeah, and it's so hard, you know, everyone, and everyone loves chocolate. Well, and everybody loves chocolate, and I do think that that will be consumed before the evening's over. Right, and that's ultimately what you want, is you want people to uh, enjoy uh, whatever it is that you do for them uh, at a wedding, and and for sure, you know, it, people have to experience it, you know, in the sense that uh, not only do your cakes look great, but they taste great too, and that's really uh, and you know something. Important. I have to tell you, memory is something absolutely wonderful. I run into people today who had our wedding cake say ten years ago, or you fourteen years ago, uh-huh. and they will say, you know, one of the things we walked away with most memorable was the wedding cake. That's, and now, should a couple package the, the top layer? For oh, absolutely. Their? Take the top layer home. We consider that. And freeze it, wrap it in saran wrap, put it in a plastic bag, and keep it in the freezer for a year. We even include a box with our orders so they can do that. Oh, so they can save that top. And they should top. because it's, and a lot of people say it's pretty tasty a year later. Right, right, right. Yeah, that's kind of a nice thing uh, to do. Well, sometimes uh, it doesn't last a year. Somebody eats it <laughs> because you put it in somebody else's freezer. Right. And what happens, we get this frantic call like the week before the anniversary. Mm-hmm. Can, you re- can you resurrect it? Can you make me another one? And of course we can. Well, I was just going to say, you know, it, it makes a nice anniversary gift. Uh, have uh, have Have some of your cake. And now, you, people don't have to be getting married to have your cakes, do they? No. You know... 
we do celebratory cakes. In other words, anytime you want to celebrate something, whether it's a birthday, an anniversary, a baby, a shower, a retirement, or even a dinner party, mm. we'll do a beautiful cake for the occasion. That's that's really that's really fabulous. Now you know you are really such an icon in in the wedding business, and you've been you know all over the world, and you've made cakes for the most famous of the most famous people, certainly a list uh, uh, people. I made one for you. At, at, you know, I, I like to think of myself on I'm on someone's a list. I don't know who's, but I'm on Your someone's a list. That's right. Yes, true. That's true. That's true. I am on her a list. Um, but you know. I love to hear you speak, and, I, and, and, and I've been a fan of yours for a very long time. And brides and grooms can come and hear you speak. You do make appearances, is that correct? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and we have a website, mm-hmm. and I have email. Email, and, too. And I do respond to fabulous. it. Fabulous. That's fabulous. Uh, but there's actually an event coming up uh, April 24th uh, in New York City, the Wedding Salon. And um, I'll be there. And you will be there. That's at Gotham Hall. That's uh, right. And I'm ready and willing to talk to every bride who wants to speak with me. That's that's great. And it's it's wonderful that you're so approachable that way. Now now let me ask you though, your your signature look is your your glasses. I know. <laughs> um, how did that start? How did you? Uh, well, I needed eyeglasses, and I had some eyeglasses. But one day I was walking down the street in Florida, and I saw these big frames, and I said, "Wow, they must be great." And my husband was very much against it. He said, you look like an owl. I said, but I like them. He said, okay, buy them. So I bought the frames, put the lenses in, and I've been wearing them over 20 years. So they have become uh, my persona. Right, and everyone uh, everyone knows you uh, that way, uh, certainly. And uh, it's a great look. I think it's, it's really a great look. Well, it's one I'm very comfortable, and I do tell my husband, he saved a fortune on it because... You can't wear these big glasses with earrings. <laughs> so he saves on the jewelry. That's great. That's really great. Well, but so, you know something? Yeah. In, in some total, I want you to realize that a wedding is a very special occasion in that it unites a family. Mm. It brings together two distinct groups to make a third. And it's the beauty of the happiness of that moment that is what life should all be about. Well, that's that's great advice. That's really great advice, and coming from you, who've uh, you've seen it all. <laughs> well, not um, only that, but I do tell my brides and grooms that one of the great answers for, aside from the fact that you have married a good friend of yours, and there's a lot of chemistry, but you have to learn to communicate with one another. And if you really care about people, you will tell them how you feel, and that's what I try to do with the cake. I try to find out what they want. Well, that's great. That's really great. And uh, I, I think anyone who's getting married uh, should explore the possibility of having a Sylvia Weinstock wedding cake at their wedding. Well, I wish they'd do it. I can attest to that. I can attest to that. Uh, but Sylvia, thank you so much for taking the time uh, and speaking with us and sharing your your expertise in in wedding cakes. Uh, certainly, you. you are uh, you are the master. Well, just uh, remember, that. that's not a diet time. You're off the diet when you eat my <laughs> cake at a wedding. Yeah, nothing low-calorie comes out of your shop, huh? No, it's all the best fattening, the best the butter, re- the best cream, the, the best The real chocolate. deal, the real deal. The nothing, real deal. That's it. When, 
when you want to splurge, that's what you should be splurging on. That's I for think, sure. And I think it's an affordable luxury. Mm. And don't forget, weddings are a luxury. They are indeed. We don't need to be having these big parties to get married. No, we don't. But yeah. they are a luxury, and they are really affordable. And I think people should understand that they can stretch a little bit, but never go into debt. Right. And, and good point. Also, this business of competition these days, you know, mm -hmm. it has to be as good as the girl down the block. I don't, I don't buy that. Be comfortable in your own skin and do the best you can do within your own budgets. Yeah. Good advice. Good advice. Well, thank you uh, again, Sylvia, uh, for our listeners. Uh, we've been chatting with Sylvia Weinstock, uh, the wonderful, amazing cake baker, uh, cake designer. So uh, again, thank you for joining us. Uh, this has been the Meet the Masters podcast, only on the Wedding Podcast Network. We'll see you next time.